Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Tina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics and ending the stigma through educational discussions. Today, we have Tiffany Watkins joining us. She is the founder and CEO of Vanguard Media, a new magazine celebrating women in cannabis. She has a degree in exercise physiology from the National Academy of Sports Medicine, computer science from the California State University in Sacramento, and network infrastructure from Northwestern University. Tiffany has witnessed the cannabis industry for over three decades. She knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're just so excited to have someone with her knowledge, background, and perspective on this industry. It was over 30 years ago where, from where we are today. She is a cannabis advocate, but also a leader who is helping to elevate the voices that are so often go unheard in our industry. Thank you for joining us, Tiffany. We're so pleased to have you on the podcast. And we always like to start off by hearing how our guests got into the cannabis industry and just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Um, and again, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Um, cannabis, my goodness, it's been almost 30 years. Um, and at the end of this year, we'll make 30 years, uh, in its entirety. Um, I think I started pretty much where many people start is just trying cannabis, trying it for the first time and, you know, having a, a moderate, um, reaction to it. Because oftentimes when you first start, you don't feel this incredible elevation. You just know that you've had something, right? And so I think it really began there. Um, when I realized that it helped me feel just elevated about my day, I thought, you know, this bears a little bit more examination. And then I found it within the community that many people were utilizing cannabis for many different reasons. Now, of course, we have that original market of which our sales structure is built on now. But, um, you know, people were using it in ways of health and just kind of um, they were healing their bodies and healing their minds and digging deeper. Um, this was during the time of HIV crisis and things like that. And the medications were very strong and there were several people within the LGBT circle, um, that was my circle, uh, that were using cannabis to help alleviate the symptoms that they were experiencing, both from HIV uh, turning into um, AIDS, full-blown AIDS, and the medications that they were given. And these medications caused nausea and just this listfulness and... Um, they just couldn't deal with their days and cannabis was really bringing up their quality of life. This was right, right there in the mix of compassionate care where we knew, of course, and many people knew, especially in California, that people who were in need had to have an avenue for getting cannabis into their lives at free or low cost. And the fight was on. And uh, this wonderful elevation and wellness that I felt from cannabis, I could start to apply to people. And it just became my mission to help in any way that I could bring this plant to the people who needed it. Because we thought, you know, here's people trying to help themselves from something that's so devastating in their lives. And the medications, pharma, all they could offer, I mean, they can offer some great solutions. I won't take that away but they couldn't bring up the quality of life. And uh, kind of in my uh, grassroots circle, we said, well, look, we, quantity of life isn't going to be guaranteed to you. 
but we sure can guarantee a quality of life that can meet you, your standards and that of your family by bringing you this plant in many different ways. And I think it just steamrolled. We worked in the shadows. We raised funds. We got signatures. We did everything. We sat on Capitol steps. Um, we spoke through megaphones. We did a lot collectively. Um, it wasn't just my circle, my grassroots campaigners. This, this was, I mean, we all know, we know the large names. I don't even have to say there were, this is on the back and the tail end of their work. Um, and I was just happy to be a part of it back then in my younger years. Um, and moving forward, it's just been wonderful to see how far we've come in cannabis, that we can sit here and have these types of discussions openly broadcast them that we can um, ask for what we want and work with regulators to make true change. So that's my start and, and there is no finish. I'm still in it, right? <laughs> it's awesome. And I can tell you that Elizabeth and I know firsthand the difficulties of nav navigating our way as plant medicine professionals. Um, that's actually what brought her and I together. And so we admire you for how outspoken that you have been um, to support women and just recognize the inequalities and, and talk about those that exist in cannabis and quite frankly, the lack of diversity. And we agree. Um, so as a woman and a person of color, I wanted to ask you if you could give us some of your insights as to what you've experienced over the years. What has given you the inspiration to stay involved in the industry over all this time? Sure. Um, and I think it's the, the motivation is that what you're talking about, knowing that there is a sector of people who are disproportionately uh, affected by the war on drugs and uh, mainly the, the quick and easy route to getting um, these uh, convictions is cannabis. Um, you know, I will say that as a person of color, um, I think that I had a, a bit of a different experience, or I, I will say that I speak from a point of privilege because I do not want to downgrade anything that's happened to anyone um, in saying that I had an opportunity to have my day life and then have my my side thing that I did with cannabis to, to kind of help and heal. Um, and I separated those lives. And I can't say that I didn't do that because of a level of fear, knowing that the color of my skin would greatly impact me more than my, my uh, non- um, persons of color counterparts. Um, we all ran in the same circles, knowing that if I was caught trying to bring cannabis to those who needed it, that my sentencing would be absolutely different than someone who didn't share my skin tone. And um, that was definitely a motivator to make changes. Um, we all know, I mean, right now the, the buzzwords are equity, inclusion, social justice, social equity. And those are things that I'm, I'm working strongly today to have not be buzzwords and buzz phrases. Mm. These needs need to be calls to action. These need to be um, actionable items that we're actually taking care of. Because as long as companies can say, oh, well, we, we, um, we really enjoy having social equity applicants and they still become a number. They're not a person. And we need to understand that we're dealing with people who have been traversing this market since legacy times and they don't just want and they deserve to be in. And so, you know, that is it's a long road. It's a long road. And we're, and we're not there until we get everyone understanding that it's not one sector of people better than others. It's one more deserving. We all deserve to operate within equity, have equitable standards and opportunities available. And I mean, that's the long haul for us, for us all really. 
I really appreciate you saying that, Ed, because, um, <clears throat> yeah, there are struggles amongst um, everyone, um, you know, one particular group, not so much. But um, I just appreciate the way you put that. Um, so you've interviewed so many incredible people for your magazine. And I love to always ask people in the media if you can tell us the top two most engaging people maybe that you've met in the cannabis community or had the um, privilege to interview and um, what it was about their spirit and work that impacted you. Um, that, that is a wonderful question. And um, I know, I know why uh, it gets asked. I get asked this often. And um, I'm going to say, you know, I am not going to just narrow it down to two people because I don't, number one, I don't want to play any favorites. And, um, and many I know will either tune in or, uh, you know, catch wind of this somehow. So what I will say is that while all of the stories that we field are from women and, uh, in their own, in their own words and in their own tone, um, I will say that every issue has at least one woman whose journey is so poignant that it, it must be told. Vanguard caters to um, the insiders, the, um, the women in the industry who are making huge waves, but they don't get a lot of notoriety. Um, I also, we catered in that, in that area, but we also house women who are absolutely crushing it out there. They're getting the notoriety and they are, um, you know, just reaping the full benefits of it. We want to definitely embolden them because that should be, it doesn't need to be so male oriented up at the top. Right. Um, so I will say that some of our best stories um, through the good, the bad and the ugly are those that are told from a point of truth and from a point of wisdom after the fact. Uh, in the latest issue here, there is an incredible story of a woman whose product was uh, basically taken away from her. This is a product that she'd procured for years and she, on the in, within the original traditional market, legacy market, was uh, distributing this product and helping hundreds, if not thousands of people. And her product, her, her vision and her passion was stolen from her. And uh, I said, absolutely. This, you know, this took a little bit of, of time for her to even feel healed enough to share this story with us. And I will say stories like that sit the closest to my heart. Um, that when I, when I hear from people like that, um, I, I fully embrace them. So I will say, um, you know, that is some of the worst things that can happen, but some of the best stories told because they come from such a true spot and it's a real peel back the pretty wrapping and see what's underneath type of moment. And I'm just um, very happy and proud to be able to help in that way. If it helps one other woman not have to feel that way. So um, I hope that answers your question, but I mean, all of my, all the stories in there, they're the stories of the women. And I'm just lucky enough to be just a small part of their journey. So how did you come up with Vanguard Media? Sure. 
Um, Vanguard, it's a, it's a long time coming. Um, many people uh, know me in, in several different circles as Lady Canna. And uh, what I did as I created a persona around uh, education and becoming comfortable with cannabis. And um, as we were um, just kind of moving into further regu regulated territories, I just noticed that a lot of the pushback was uh, this deep stigma that was around the cannabis plant. And um, I said, why don't, why isn't anybody out there actively trying to educate people, not through books, not through these, you know, kind of um, encased seminars, and we're going to talk so technical to you that, you know, you, you, you will get lost and fall asleep halfway. Why isn't anyone just going out there, town hall style, talking to people? And I created uh, my first uh, segments of Cannabis and You. And this was during the wonderful times that we all remember when we could be face to face with people. <laughs> um, and uh, I go just go out there. It started small at first, it's a few women, and then it just kind of steamrolled into this whole big project of we want to know more. How does cannabis relate to me? And I started to realize that um, stigma was playing a huge part, especially for women. Um, to really become involved in the healing benefits of cannabis for themselves, for their families. Um, and it just kind of became this animal of its own. And I absolutely loved it. I was speaking here and there uh, regionally on the West Coast and being invited to uh, kind of talk to people. And I would, I'd come right off the stage, get out there and ask questions because the whole idea for you know, 10,000 plus years of cannabis is community, health, healing, virtue, spirituality. And that doesn't come from me standing up on a stage, you know, and not going out there and being amongst people. And so, you know, then I started kind of writing a little few pieces about it here and there. And I thought, why are we not collecting stories? I've always been a storyteller. I've always been a listener. And I, I just, why are we not collecting stories, especially from women as we bridge our community into industry? Um, we are seeing that women are taking a back burner when oftentimes we are the backbone of much of the curation process of idea and um, product and just, just a multitude of things. So we began. I began talking to people and asking for their stories in their words. And it just turned into this wonderful project that I, like I said, I just, I feel lucky every day that these women entrust um, me and this movement uh, with their stories and their, their, their tears and their success. It's just, yeah, it's just really, really opened up into this lovely movement that is so much bigger than anything that I could ever do because it's about, it's about people and the real idea of this plant being for all of us, you know? And it's a beautiful magazine too. And I love that you're doing both digital and print options so that people can have it mailed to their home or they can just read it online. I think that that was really and important and beautiful. And I have to also say we got connected with you because of your giving spirit. You posted online in a women's group that you were going to open up, you know, some ads in your magazine to small businesses that, uh, that were owned by women in the cannabis space. And immediately mm -hmm. when I saw that, I, I tagged Elizabeth and was like, look at this 
giving women who during a time of COVID, you know, we're, we're all out there trying to figure out how we can best advertise our businesses. It's very expensive, as we know, for small businesses to be a part of advertising, especially in a, in a magazine, you know, this. So I could tell you how excited we were when we got to see our ad in, in your November, December publication with Wanda James on the cover. I'll tell you, it felt so good. So thank you so much for being so giving and for helping small businesses like ours that are just getting started. And we just, we wish you the most success. I mean, this is going to be, um, something I think that's really going to take off. Um, and there's just, like you said, so many amazing stories to share. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure that you uh, are going to have many more um, in the episodes to follow. And I wanted to ask you, like, what you, because you've been in this industry for so long and have seen all the changes, could you let us know what you think might be like the next big milestone in like the, the business and the culture around cannabis? Absolutely. Um, I want to first uh, address what you were saying about the ads. Um, you're welcome. First of all, I'm so happy to be able to do it. I asked for 16 spots and the outpouring of messages and comments was, it was flooring. I had to, I really did have to shut my phone off for a second to go, Oh goodness gracious. What, what am I doing here? But then I thought, you know what? I can't just do 16. I had women with emailing me saying, you know, oh, I hope this makes it, I hope this makes it. And I knew at that point how important it was because I just remember years ago um, that, you know, when you're starting up a business, funds, all sorts of things, you're just looking for someone to give you a small opportunity if, and, and a little bit of help. And there was no way I couldn't help everyone. I actually am so happy to say that I took every single one that I got, every single one, and we figured it out. We just figured out how it was going to fit, what we were going to do, and a way to do it just to give back because there's no way I just couldn't look at those beautiful ads and there's no way I wasn't going to get everybody's in there. Um, So thank you for your submission. I'm glad I was able to to, uh, get it in there. I'm so excited about that. to your question of, you know, where do I, where, where is this going? Right. I mean, I think that is a question that we ask all the time, not only in our words, but in our actions and in our innovation, where is cannabis going? And I think that a clear pathway of knowing where cannabis is going to be in the future is the acknowledgement of where cannabis was in the past. And that is just because when we don't acknowledge that we leave behind the true concepts and we leave behind the passion. And that truly is what pushes forward. We even leave behind the need. So as long as we're only focused on profit, cannabis is not a product that, and this is in my opinion, um, cannabis is not a product that can, can survive out there without passion because we can keep going for it. Sure, anybody can sell some weed on the shelves in the dispensary, absolutely. But the sustainability of that, we've seen we've seen and the profitability we've seen um, and how overly taxed it is. We've seen how bad that is. Um, We really need to tap in to the networks that existed before industry in order to bridge into a longevity that we all think we see for the future. So my hope is that we are able to come to some sort of agreement as we get closer and closer to federal legalization Um, some sort of agreement to how we want this industry to look nationwide. Um, Because, you know, the closer again, as we get to this federal legalization and descheduling, we need to make sure that we're properly educated across the country to understand what descheduling means so that when talk of rescheduling comes up, we know the difference. 
And so I think the future in short is education and knowledge. I think that's a great answer. And I think that we um, believe in that so much. And that's why we started this podcast. We figured, you know, this could be a way where we could share information every week and, and, and share stories. And the more that we meet people within the industry, that it seems that this passion exists in everyone to really be a community and to share this information. It's a lot of the, the folks that, you know, we either in the cannabis closet, as they say, or, you know, afraid to really admit that that they use the plant or have used the plant, you know, we need to create that safe space to say that, yes, it's okay to say that this is a part of your life or was a part of your life. And even if you've never used it before to understand the power of the plant um, and to be able to say, yeah, we believe that this is, um, well, I'm in Pennsylvania, so it's a medicine here. You know, uh, but I would love as we think about what this is going to look like for federal legalization. I mean, I've been born and raised in Pittsburgh my whole life, and I'm just seeing how the changing landscape of my hometown has changed now that Pennsylvania has over 200,000 patients using cannabis how the conversations have changed with people just even two years ago when Elizabeth and I were starting in this, you know, I, I would start to talk about cannabis and I had people slamming doors in my face and telling me I was crazy. Um, and now things are just slowly changing. So I agree. I think that the, if we can focus on that education, but without forgetting, like you said, where the, everything came from and we have to learn from the past and move forward. I think that was so eloquently put. Thank you. So what do you think it will take to get social equity to where it should be in the cannabis industry? I mean, we're so far away from it. Like you said, in the beginning, we talk about it, we label it, we, but you know, from a pro like you, what can we all do to help move the needle mm -hmm. in your opinion? Um, keep telling the truth. Um, okay. the more people that will step forward and say what's happened, um, how they were, how they entered into a predatory relationship with uh, funding. Um, the more people we can get to tell their stories, number one, and then those who want to operate from a point of truth. When they get into these programs, the the people who have the money, they're not making not all. And I don't want to say everyone's like this, but there's a large majority of people out there in these programs who have the money to give. And they give it with terms that are just very hard for the social equity winner to meet up with. They, they wind up being managers in businesses they're supposed to own. Um, not to mention in states where we have, before they even get to that process, just the application process is faulty. That's unbelievable. It is absolutely flooring what the, you know, the, the buy-in, the fact that you can buy in is not even, is not okay. Um, so I think that there's a, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think it's going to come from um, the, the true change is going to come from people advocating for there to be truth in the process to advocate for the fact that at first it needs to exist. This isn't just another feather in your cap. This is something that actually affects someone's livelihood. We have got persons of color trying their best to move forward from bad portions in their lives or just because they have an innovative idea and they just have lived in uh, areas where the opportunities were not flowing. So they're looking for an opportunity to create change for their family and build wealth, wealth and a legacy of opportunity and creation for their families. And I'm wondering why people can't see that people who come from disadvantage might need a pathway to that type of future. 
I think that it happens when we all live in some, if, if you have ever had privileges in your life, it's hard to, it's very easy to lose sight of those who have had a harder pathway and that it doesn't take anything away from you to open a door and say, hey, come on, you, I'm right here. Come on, I can show you a pathway to a brighter future. And I think that the more people who can tell the truth in that environment, um, the better we'll be. And we'll really reach what we, those of us who believe in this, we'll reach what we're looking for. But it's action, not just words, is what we're talking mm -hmm. about here, though. Not the buzzwords. It, ha it, it It's empty if it's not followed by some action. We can't just keep talking about it and not actually doing something about it. I like that. I've actually visited a dispensary about a year ago, and it was in a poorer area. And um, there were people from the investors who were there just like hawking around, like just watching. And I didn't know who they were. And then, you know how it is. You get talking to somebody. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not with the business. I'm with the investment firm, you know, making sure the business is set up correctly. So I'm not sure if that's a good story or, or not a good story. Um, were they just trying to protect themselves? Probably. Were they helping to sort of say, okay, this is the way to set up your retail business and do business. But I am, I understand with you. I, I do think that I come from a place of privilege and Gina sometimes has to remind me I'm a lot older than she is too. You know, like Elizabeth, people don't, know what they don't know. They don't have access. So, um, you know, it is singing it from the rooftops and, um, you know, you and sharing more of those, well. and sharing more of those truthful stories, like you said, which makes me wonder if people are listening and if they have a story, if they're a woman in cannabis and they're looking for a, a way to, to sh share it in an authentic way in a place where they feel safe, how could they send their stories to you? Absolutely. Um, I take stories any time of day. You can either find me on social media, Vanguard Media Online, or I can be reached, uh, or it will get to me uh, if you submit your story via email at info at vanguardmediaonline.com. And those are the best ways and as raw as you like. And we will, uh, you know, get on the phone with you and get your and get the details and uh, your consent, and we will definitely get it published. Every story um, that I receive, uh, the intent is to publish that story because it deserves to be told. And do you have the sponsors and the you know advertisers supporting you? How can we help you with that? Um, I, what helps me the best is to have people share to share that that it's that it's going on, share that there is a place like what you're doing right now, allowing me to say how you can submit a story to me. Uh, the greatest support uh, definitely comes from just listening in, listening in and letting it be known that what you've heard and spread it. We've got to do it uh, the good old fashioned operator style. We've got to just share each other's stories. And then if people want to purchase the magazine, they can get a hard-held magazine that gets sent to their home. And how could they do that? How could they purchase it? They just go to the website, that Vanguard Media Online, and click on the issue they'd like to purchase. It'll take you to the area that houses um, all of the copies, and you can select one or all of them. And then how many issues will you be printing a year? 
Um, about six. Oh, that is so exciting. This is just so fantastic. We, I feel like we're going to be sending you some ideas and we'll be connecting with some other ladies in the industry and letting them know that I think that, you know, just the, the authenticity that you have, and that was what really drawn us to you, that you were just so open with sharing, you know, the, the, the backstory. When you say 30 years, people are like, well, isn't this industry kind of new for that? No, it's not. And the fact that you're willing to share that full story and talk about how we learn from our past is just such a special message. So we want to thank you so much for your time today for joining us. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Tiffany. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you Tiffany, honored. so much. I am honored to have been included today. Thank you. It's been our pleasure to have Tiffany from Vanguard Media with us today. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on The Vine, a plant media project podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform to never miss an episode. And to learn more about Plant Media Project, please visit us online at plantmediaproject.com.